when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Welcome back, my friends, to another Waypoint article read. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and today we're doing uh, another little excerpt from our website, and we have Austin Walker here reading his review of Into the Breach, the latest game by FTL developer Subset Games. Once that's over, stick around, because we'll be chatting about it a little bit afterwards. Anyway, take it away, Austin. Into the Breach turns mech combat into a tactical dance. The follow-up to FTL isn't the game you might have expected, but it's still a must-play. By Austin Walker. From Battletech to Mobile Suit Gundam, our most popular mech stories don't really focus on part alignment or radar types or laser variations. Mechanical particulars are either minimized or, if present in any major way, largely aestheticized. We know enough about the internal functions of these mechs to worry when our heroine's laser cannon begins to overheat, or to gasp in awe as the enemy ace switches between their stolen machine's special modes with impossible smoothness. Servos and vents are drawn or described with pleasing detail, but these are flourishes to a balletic structure of character development, political backstabbing, and thematic evocation. And what a ballet! War machines slide in formation across a devastated wasteland. Metallic angels, light as air and glowing with energy, clash against each other in the sky. Gigantic figures charge down city streets, expressionless, yet glowering at a monstrous foe. Yet most mech games, from the Battletech board game to Heavy Gear to the Armored Core series, care more about the fantasy of the engineer than the fictional pilot. You spend hours comparing damage values, gear weight, heatsink qualities. You test your builds. You paint and repaint and decal your machines. You spend as much time in front of spreadsheets as you do in the cockpit, and the latter is sometimes even more fun than the former. Here is the most important thing you need to know about Into the Breach, the new tactical RPG from FTL developers Subset Games. It understands that mechs aren't about the parts they're made of, but about the steps of their dance. And while some games, Virtual On, Zone of the Enders, Galaxy, Gundam Versus, put you in the position of the principal dancer, what makes Into the Breach so special is that it makes you not only the performer, but the choreographer. Into the Breach offers a limited but potent premise. You're a time-traveling mech squad, caught in an Edge of Tomorrow-style loop, constantly repeating the final days of humanity as the Vec, a swarm of giant insectoid creatures, devours us. At the top of each FTL-style run, you choose a pilot, each of whom has unique abilities, and a squad of mechs, the detail of which I'll get into in a second. 
Once deployed, your defensive efforts take you across four islands. Each is tied to a futuristic megacorporation, a unique biome, and a set of mission types, all of which tell a subtle story of humanity's ecological failings. And Into the Breach isn't particularly optimistic about our chances. If you hold the Vec back long enough, the game tells you, maybe humanity can develop a weapon powerful enough to stop them permanently. Cool. More bombs. Your mechs each have health, of course, but what really matters is the power grid, a health bar that carries over between combat encounters and which is damaged whenever civilian structures are harmed. Fail to keep the power grid up, and the bugs emerge en masse, forcing you to send your best living pilot back in time to join back up with two fresh recruits and try again to halt the horde. This might sound sprawling, but Into the Breach shows incredible focus. Your squad is made up of three vehicles, no more, no less, and though you can recruit the occasional extra pilot via randomly appearing time pods, you'll never have the multi-page roster of Fire Emblem or XCOM to manage. Each combat encounter plays out over five turns on an isometric, chess-style grid, filled with a mix of civilian structures, special objective tiles, and a collection of environmental hazards. Best of all, combat is transparent. At the top of a turn, enemies set up to attack, their intentions and turn order entirely spelled out for you. As heroic mech pilots, you then need to react before the turn ends and their planned actions devastate the area. There are no hit percentages here, no range of damages. The only randomness is that there's a small chance that buildings will be resistant to damage. But that chance is too low to ever count on, which means that when a structure does shield itself after you fail to, a wave of relief washes over you. Despite that transparency, you'll make mistakes, but even then, the transparency and openness are key. You can undo moves before committing, and even after you commit, you get a once-per-fight reset that lets you dial things back a full turn. This is a game that honestly wants you to engage with its organically emerging spatial puzzle. It never wants you to feel screwed over. It's simple and clean, but that's not to say there isn't depth. It goes something like this. You've just started a new game as Blitzkrieg, one of the eight squads you unlock by completing special challenges tied to each previous squad and a list of more general achievements like saving 100,000 citizens across all of your games. The tooltip says that the Blitzkrieg unit is designed, quote, around the mass destruction capabilities of harnessed lightning. Cool. But once you drop in, you start to think it's an odd descriptor. The only mech with any sort of electrical ability is the aptly named Lightning Mech, an upright Prime class unit that wields a charged whip that can chain lightning damage between adjacent enemy units. As far as you can tell, the other two mechs in your squad, a tank with a grappling hook and a spider-legged bruiser who throws giant rocks, have nothing at all to do with electricity. You advance as normal, scourging giant manises with your charged lash, yanking oversized ants away from their targets and into lakes, and crushing massive hornets under uh, even more massive rocks. You clear the bugs off the first island, and then the second, but it feels like something's wrong. With previous squads, you were clearing enemies more quickly, doing more direct damage to more targets per turn, and it's starting to show. You've been winning, but your power grid has started taking hits under the increased pressure from the bug army. Finally, in the icy fields of the third island, where you have to contend not only with the Vec, but also with the cold that risks freezing your mechs in place, and with enemy mechs piloted by rampant AI, you fear you've met your match. 
It's the final turn, but the power grid is down to 2 HP, and things look bad. Though you've done some damage to them, you haven't managed to whittle down the enemy force quick enough. Now you're just plainly outnumbered, 3 to 5, and there's no combination of rock crushing, grapple tricking, and electro whipping that can... Wait a second. It becomes very clear all at once. The value of the big rock isn't that it crushes things. It's that the force of the boulder landing pushes everything around it back one tile. Between that and the grappling hook, you make a few clicks and suddenly the group of five enemies slides together in an L-shaped clump. You sprint down the field in your prime, wrap the nearest one in the whip's electrified barbs, and let the charge go. They light up all at once, then drop. The mass destruction capabilities of harnessed lightning. Moments like this aren't one-off anecdotes. They are the core of this game's design. Each mech is some combination of damage dealer, buffer, debuffer, and relocator. And both the VEC units and general combat flow are designed to force you to learn how to use all those abilities in dynamic ways. There's more to love here, unsurprisingly. The special challenges that let you unlock new squads are all fun puzzles to work out across the length of a run. The game communicates a great deal of character from the tiniest of moments. Civilians yell out in joy when you drop down from orbit to save the day. A pilot passingly wonders if her stepfather lives in this version of the timeline. The pilots and mechs and weapons are genuinely cool, and even after 18 hours, I'm still unlocking new things to be surprised by. But all of these are secondary to the dance. Into the Breach doesn't let me tinker in a giant robot laboratory. It doesn't want to. Instead, it brings me back to the kinetic spectacle of my favorite mech's stories. A pilot cowers under a giant spider, their vehicle's treads covered in debilitating webbing, but manages to blast the creature back and into the waiting fist of their wingman. An ace sacrifices themselves and their jet in order to stop an attack from devastating a city block. A mech dashes across the desert and slams one enemy into another, doing little damage but grinning as the dunes explode into a dust storm that prevents their true foe from attacking. Pinned to a wall and surrounded by bugs, you turn your rail cannon behind you. If you can blow up this dam, maybe you can sweep them all away in the flood. These stories go on and on and on, and each time I play, I find myself telling micro-narratives just like this. These stories aren't necessarily the ones from FTL, which made me love the little cartoon characters who crewed my ship's stations. But just as FTL got to the heart of space opera, the experimental ship, the camaraderie of a ragtag crew, the spiraling of crises, Subset Games has found the core of the mech fantasy with Into the Breach. It isn't about the particulars of parts, it isn't about the abstraction of stats, it isn't even really about weapons or power. Mech stories, more often than not, are about aspiration. Heroes, villains, and pilots of all sorts have dreams. They want to save the people they love, or overthrow the political status quo, or pay down their debt. And the way that they set out to achieve those goals is to climb into gross slabs of metal, machines that at once mock the human form, yet also stand in as idealized bodies, cold, powerful extensions of a pilot's will. These things should never move at all, let alone with the grace and beauty that they do. 
into the breach doesn't put you in direct control the way virtual on or zone of the enders does it doesn't ask you to extend your own will into pristine motions in fact as it zooms out into a commander's view it joyously dares you into misstep to spin your way into a corner but then you take a breath and you look at the entire ballroom floor a forest ready to be turned into a blazing shield a lake shaped into your sword, the long-range blast of your enemy waiting to be used for your own purpose. The rhythm builds in your head, your foot taps along, and you start dancing. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. So, uh, Austin. Yeah. Seems like you like Max. Yeah, a little bit. I, I like them a little bit. I like them a lot. And it's actually like today specifically has given us a lot uh, in terms of Max. Uh, Into the Breach came out. Uh, Titanfall 2 is like five bucks on PS Plus right now. And uh, if I believe, if I, if I heard right, April is now the, the release date for the, the forthcoming Battletech game. April... There's a date, I think, April 7th, April 27th, something The point like is, it's raining max. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's raining max. Exactly. Uh, I'm pretty excited about that um, because I think what I was trying to get to really in that piece was like, hey, there's a bunch of different ways you can do mechs, and Into the Breach does it in a way that I haven't seen that often. Yeah, this is something I wanted to dig into a little bit because it was interesting for me when, when uh, we were talking about the article earlier today. Um, there's a part of me that gets like instinctively defensive about other <laughs> mech games, right? Like you're talking yeah. about that the the fantasy of the engineer mm-hmm. that a lot of mech games flatter. And for me, that's kind of what brought me into like mech fiction, mech fantasies, right? Like I was right. a mech warrior player well before I even knew there was like a fictional universe attached to it, which believe me, MechWarrior 2 is a really inscrutable game <laughs> if you aren't aware that there's like this broader context. Uh, but there's this part of me that got like sort of immediately defensive, like, well, wait, nothing wrong with the engineer's fantasy. <laughs> and uh, there isn't. There isn't. I want to be clear. I don't think that there is anything wrong with that fantasy. I like that fantasy. I, part- I, I have partaken of that fantasy. Uh, I like tinkering. I like designing mechs. I, I, I do get some joy out of it. Um, but I have a lot of that in, in a sense, and I have more of it coming. Battletech is going to give me some of that for sure. The, the new Mech Warrior game is going to give me more of that. I hope that uh, Dark Souls and Armored Core developer uh, 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 from Software gives us more in, in the form of a future Armored Core game. Um, those games do that really well, but I haven't seen something do this in a little while, or maybe even ever, even though there have been other tactical Mech games. Yeah, to me it feels like Reading, you know, reading the experience, hearing you talk about it, uh, it does seem unique among mech games. And I think something you you get to there, and I'm I'm really curious. Like, it's amazing to me the game is able to evoke this. Translating the the grace and the uh, balletic action 
of mecha, mecha fiction, mech fiction, uh, has basically been impossible for a lot of games, right? Like, you could right. never have a mech sim like Mech Warrior control like those things are supposed to control if you read the books, right? right. You can't actually be that, like, hotshot pilot who can make these things, uh, you know, dance, as you put it. Right. Uh, and so, like, how, like, you know, how, how does how does Into the Breach manage to take a really constrained tactics game and sort of turn you loose and make it feel like you're dancing and not just solving puzzles? Because what you're describing right, right. reads like puzzle solving in a lot of ways. And it is. And well, I think maybe the, the trick is that like improvisational dance is also a little bit like puzzle solving um lots of things are like puzzle solving it's just that when we think of puzzles traditionally we think puzzles have singular answers you build a puzzle right there's a 500 piece puzzle you put all the pieces together then you have your picture but maybe it's actually more like building with legos or or solving a puzzle with that sort of open-ended sense um the way that into the breach does it specifically is with this very very interesting blend of of high complexity and and high simplicity which is a thing that's very difficult to do in games in general. So the, the reason there's lots of complexity is that there's actually kind of a lot to offer when you look at all of the different pilots, uh, all of the different mechs, all of the different weapon types. You know, I didn't really dig into that stuff because the way it's presented to you in the game is that you're never overwhelmed by the options there. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I briefly mentioned that the the mech that I used um, with the whip is a prime class whip. There are, or a prime class mech, rather. There are a bunch of different classes for the mechs. So there's the prime mechs, there's the brutes, which are kind of like tanks. There are uh, science class mechs, which are all about moving things around on the map. And those designations uh, give them uh, make it cheaper for them to use certain weapons. So the brute classes can use guns and cannons more more easily, cheap more cheaply than other than uh, the prime ones who use melee weapons uh, because they're big, hulking, you know, standing on the two legs kind of humanoid mech designs. But none of that overwhelms you because you never get a list of every weapon. You never get a list of every mech type. What you get is a squad of three mechs that have starter weapons, and that at the end of each island that you clear, which are kind of each each kind of sector, basically, um, you get you get brought to a store that has, like, four or five things for sale. Uh, and so you're like, oh, that looks cool as hell. Like, I wonder if I could... That's a gun. I got a gun last night that I hadn't seen through 20 hours of play. And it Good was God. a... Right, yeah, seriously, this is what I'm saying. It was called a phase gun, and I put it on, and what it does is it shoots through solid objects. It shoots through mountains or buildings without harming them, uh, and so it was the sort of thing that let me, I put it onto a jet, and suddenly my jet was able to make these like, almost like strafing runs from across the map through buildings instead of hitting the building it could shoot through it and and like it modified that jet previously that jet was just a bomber basically it hopped over a tile it dropped a one damage bomb that also created smoke uh, that would debilitate an enemy and prevent them from firing um, and also another unit i had in that squad had a passive ability that made it so that that smoke was electrified which meant that it would deal damage at the beginning of the next turn um, which would mean it would definitely it would do kind of one damage immediately plus another damage at the start of the next turn uh, which is really cool but now it had this other ability that completely changed how i was using it as a as a fighter jet um, and so that's why it ends up feeling like a dance is like, you don't just have, you don't just have, um, punching for three damage. You have things that, that are about, um, movement that are about, uh, location and spatiality. Uh, and then, and then inside of that, that kind of limited chessboard, 
you have lots of potential choices to make. And it's about finding the one that moves smoothly. And because it's about a squad, a three-person squad, it's often about how those pieces interlink. It's not just that I got to do the thing that the, the, the phase gun that shoots through the buildings without harming them and then hits the thing on the other end. It's that when it hits, it actually does one point of knockback. So you, you have a, a scorpion who's about to hit this building. And you don't just shoot it and kill it. You shoot it and knock it back. And then, because you've knocked it back, it's now within range of your rocket that's on the other side of the map that can now do the crossover shot and knock it out. And then, because the rocket spits out a puff of smoke behind it, maybe you also have positioned yourself to use that smoke to disable another enemy to prevent it from attacking. And it's that combination of things that kind of snowballs together and becomes this really beautiful kind of clockwork uh, 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 war. It's really cool. Now... Do you sort of become adept with all these things by sort of trial and error? Or after a certain point, did you find that you were familiar enough with sort of the problems and layoffs the game is throwing at you that when you did, like, say, encounter a weapon you hadn't seen before, you immediately, like, had ideas sparked about, like, how you could put it into play? Yeah. Uh, possibilities you hadn't been able to utilize before. I think like by hour 15, I was starting to do that. But like the, the beginning, the beginning of the game, I told this story yesterday on Waypoint Radio, so I'll be very brief. But at the beginning of the game, the first set of, of the first squad that you have is very basic. It's like a tank that shoots things, uh, a big mech that punches things, and a third and an artillery unit that kind of does some knockback when it when it's artillery strikes. So it's kind of indirect fire, can't shoot right next to it. Um and from then I went to this 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 second set that had the jet that I was just talking about. Um and then also uh had like a that one has something that just just does knockback. It's just like an AOE knockback. Um, and there's a third mech that I've since forgotten what it does. I think it does another. It's another push or pull, or it's a, oh, it's the it's the it's the rocket artillery that I mentioned that also puts this like little blast of smoke out in the in the environment. And when I got to them, it unlocked for me that second squad made me understand that this was a game about positioning and and about space and about moving things around and momentum and stuff like that. And so. Um, that squad, figuring out how that squad worked made me go back and play that first squad in a completely different way, where suddenly I understood that it was all about those things. Um, and then I opened and I unlocked the next squad, and I was completely like, I don't know what the fuck to do with these at all anymore. Uh, and then I had to learn those ones, and that started to open up new possibilities with the previous two squads. And bit by bit by bit, you definitely build a sort, a sort of familiarity with the rules, um, sort of in a similar way to, I don't know if you played much FTL, but similar to that in which you start understanding like, aha, missiles are important, not because they give, not because they do damage, but because they do damage, you know, through shields. Lasers are important, not just because, you know, they, they always hit, but because they, they're able to damage subsystems. Like stuff like that ends up, the same sort of thing happens in Into the Breach, where you build a a sort of playbook. Uh, and so, yes, when new things do show up, now I'm at the point where they often spark something. But sometimes I'm still kind of stuck. Like there's a there's a, a squad called the Steel Judoka who are like they're, they're all about movement. There's a big hulking mech that just like it takes less damage. It has ar- has one point of armor, so it always soaks one damage, and it just flips an enemy from in front of it to behind it, and it does like pretty limited damage in doing it. And then the rest of that squad also is all about moving stuff around and making enemies 
enemies hurt each other instead. Obviously, they're judoka, so it's about turning your enemy on, on, on themselves. Um, and I'm just terrible with them. I'm just garbage, because at no point can I go into that brute force mode where I'm like, I'm going to point this barrel, and I'm going to pull the trigger, and I'm going to get a kill. It's all about making the enemy hurt themselves, and I'm just not there yet. But I can see there. I, can, I get what's going on there now, at least. So one of the things that... Uh comes up in, in your piece is talking about identifi- identifying with the pilots or sort of imagining mm. the, the pilot a, as a character. And I definitely, like, can identify with this because, like, to my everlasting shame, like, I can basically name every mech pilot in the Blood of Kransky trilogy <laughs> oh my God. Uh, that shows his face. Like, yeah, no, it's it's bad, dude. Like I like I even remember who Kyle or Lau like impersonates in the third Jesus book. Christ, yeah, it's not that's good. Deep, that's a deep old. Yeah, Dave Jewell. It's not good. Uh, so <laughs> sorry, it's a deep jewel. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. So I guess was that just something that the game was evoking for you, or did you start to feel like a connection? Like were the pilots ever just more than vessels who inhabited these the the units, or did you ever start to get a feeling for like ah, uh, there's like flesh and blood? in these in these machines you know not as much as i hoped i would is what i'll say i think there it's there uh and and i think it's actually brought to life in really clever small ways right um so my understanding is chris avalone did a lot of writing on this game which is wild uh, and i'd forgotten about that fact until today um when someone reminded me of it but the there are little moments of like the characters will think about something or the, the one that i mentioned in the review is there's a moment when one of the pilots is like hey weird my stepdad is alive in this timeline but uh i'm not or something like that and it's like oh wow interesting oh, that's cool. um, there's, yeah it's really cool there's one where it's where there's a pilot who um is just like all right let's let's kick the rust off these things it's like okay i know who you are i get who you are immediately and so those little bits of dialogue help a lot but there isn't there isn't much there so far as I've seen. I haven't beaten the game yet. I haven't won against the final boss yet. Um, the final challenge, basically. Um, so maybe there are. there's a little bit more with endings or something. I haven't seen those yet. Uh, I would love to. Um, but where there is a sense of humanity is actually in... It's the tiniest thing, but I love it so much. At the beginning of every combat, your your mechs drop from orbit. You know, they're kind of up in a in a, an orbital station, and they drop down, and they land with this great thud. And then all of the, the civilian buildings have little... Um, word bubbles pop up and they go the steel judoka have arrived we're gonna make it and like various things right things like that and that is always so fucking cool like every time you just feel like a hero from one of these stories showing up um and I almost wish that there was more mech on mech combat. I almost wish there was a maybe they'll do an expansion of this where you end up getting you you end up being the aggressor because I would love to see the other side of this that shows up in mech stories often, which is like the mech walks across the horizon and comes into view, and the people in the the civilian structures go like all hope is lost. <laughs> the steel judoka have arrived. They're gonna kill us. Uh, and I would love to see a version of that uh, of that here too. Yeah, that reminds me of. Um... I think one of my huge disappointments with the first Pacific Rim, uh, I have really complicated feelings about that movie. Same, uh, same, hundred percent. Started, uh, yep. but one of the things that movie sort of promises, I think it was either even like I think it was a line in the movie. It was definitely used in the marketing was uh, to fight monsters. We created monsters, right? But at no point did we ever make the case that the uh, was it the the Jaegers. Yeah, the Jaegers. Uh, yeah, were, mon- were like, monsters. Were mon- yeah, yeah, exactly. And like that's part that's the other part of this fiction is that there is something 
impressive and incredible and glorious about these things. But again, just like, you know, the Gothic knight in his armor, that is also a figure of menace and mayhem. Totally. Well, and so the thing that one of the things I think is interesting here is they don't make that claim directly. But what is very clear, I think, as subtext is that the same sort of technology that leads you to make mechs, that leads you to make something that has like lightning whips on the ends of its hands, is what's gotten you into this place to begin with. Humanity has been driven to these final four islands, and each one has this like very specific biome setting. You know, the first one is that the fact that they actually landed, they stuck the landing on these is really incredible. The first one is just kind of like foresty, right? Uh, and the other ones all have like very clear other things like terraforming. Uh, there's a desert that's all about terraforming, and, and it's not about terraforming things, to be clear, it's not about terraforming things from desert into green there's like a specific uh one mission type that you can get where it's like protect the terraformer as it erases the greenery and returns things back to their the the true desert that it's supposed to be um there's one island that's all about uh kind of ice and that's where rampant ai is is kind of like waking up and and robots are attacking you and the the final one is like industrial wasteland there's acid everywhere there's just like streaming uh pools of acid next to these buildings that look hyper technological but that first one is from they're all designated to a to a specific uh, uh, not CEO um, corporation that has a CEO. These are kind of the the main NPCs you deal with, uh, who are the ones who are giving you missions on each on each island. And that first one it should be boring. It should be the the least interesting island because it's just forests and lakes and dams and trains and bars and you know it's it's the most like oh yeah I could this is Pennsylvania I get this but. The corporation that runs it is called Archive Incorporated, and everything there has been kept the way it was in the good old days. Back when we were still really people, we had bars, and we had coal mining plants, and we had these tanks, and so there were missions where it was just like, oh, you have to go protect this old tank. And like, okay, why? Like, oh, because it's an old tank. Like, oh, was it like super powerful? We go, no. Around around turn three in every every one of these missions, when you're protecting a tank, the tanks activate and you get to use them. Like, oh, cool! Does it like oh, it pushes things back by one square? Does it do any damage? No, no, they can't do any damage. And another mission where it's like, oh, we found these old planes. Like, awesome! Yes, do I get planes in this mission? No, we they're they're bombers. Uh, We just we're just gonna bomb stuff. Like, oh, you're gonna bomb my enemy? Well, no, we're just gonna paint targets that we're gonna bomb on every turn because we don't really know how to use these. And it's like, you fucking idiots! Like, why are you why are you protecting coal plants and bombers and old artillery units that don't do any fucking damage? Like, what are you worshiping here? You're worshiping how we got to the point where all of humanity. was stuck on four terrible islands uh, to begin with. And, like, there is the subtext of ecological disaster, that these bugs are emerging from the ground because we built them. Like, we, you know, to, to fight monsters, we built them. It turns out, in this case, we did. And the thing that we built was the monsters were fighting. Like, not as an analogy, not as a metaphor about, you know, to stare into the abyss. Don't stare in the abyss too long or else the, the abyss stares back. Blah, blah, blah. We turn into monsters. Don't fight monsters. Whatever the, whatever various Nietzschean saying you want to bring to bear. In this case, I think it's just, yo, we fucked up and made super mutant, like, in- insects. And they're here to, t- to collect. Um, and that stuff is so character. It has so much character that uh, even though there isn't, there aren't text text trees, dialogue trees, there aren't huge, you know, interactive fiction style um, uh, stories to engage with. There's still a lot of character here. So I had one last question uh, for you, sure. based on the fact that like you haven't beaten the game. Yeah. One of the things that eventually really started to put me off FTL, like 
until I saw the end game, like until I encountered that boss, I fucking loved that game. It was this mm-hmm. wild adventure. Once I realized that like, oh, it's this end game series of checks basically that you yes. have to be able to meet. Yeah. And everything you do has to be in the context of like clearing these hurdles. I lost interest in the game because totally. everything that felt like fun and exploratory just became something where like, oh, there's a right answer, but you'll find out in 30 minutes. Right. Um, and that drove me away from it. And I guess I'm curious, like, did you feel like Into the Breach sort of fell into that? So, no. And for two big reasons. One, I think you're totally right about FTL. I love FTL. I still like it, um, and I still took joy after I kind of learned what those checks were for the final boss. Uh, For people who don't know, at the end of FTL, you have to fight this super ship, and that super ship has a very specific strategy through which you can beat it. And there's like a little bit of variation, like you could have a teleporter, or you could have missiles, you could have a cloaking device, or super shields, but there are certain things you need to have to get past certain kind of stages in that fight. The final fight that I got to here is not like that. It's very much just like a little bit of a harder version of every other fight. There's more enemies. There are the things that you need to protect are a little bit more fragile um, uh, and are are more important, right? Um, you need to protect something, and uh, and and there's environmental um, there are environmental hazards that are a little less. Uh, I guess they're, they're still just as predictable as everything else because the game is completely transparent in that way. But they're they are a little more chaotic, is what I'll say, and. Um, at the end of the day, every time I've fought that fight, and I've gotten there three times, four times now, it's felt like I have to be on my game, not if only I had bought the phase gun three stages ago, I'd be fine. And part of that is just, there aren't shops spread everywhere. You don't have all of these chances to change what your squad does. You have a few set places, and your your currency is pretty limited, and so you're kind of just choosing to modify things a little bit here and there, you're not building a ship towards an end goal, which is what FTL eventually became. Um, in this case, you're building a squad that has a great deal of, of um, vari- variation in how it can solve things. And so maybe that's the end goal comparatively, right? The end goal in FTL is I need a ship that can do X, Y, Z. And in this, it's just like, all right, I need to be able to deal with when I'm webbed. I need to be able to deal with like when I get trapped in a corner, can I get away from that somehow? But those aren't checks because those don't necessarily show up in that final encounter. They just could show up if things go that way. Uh, and that's, I think, a big, big difference. Uh, we'll see. Maybe 10 hours from now, 20 hours from now, I will have a different opinion. Uh, but also, this game is 15 bucks, and I think 20 or 30 or 40 hours of the joy I've already had with it is worth it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it sounds terrific. I can't wait to play it. Uh, I can't and wait if, for you to play it so we can actually talk about it. I want to know what your squad of choice is. Uh, well, maybe we'll talk about it uh, more soon. Uh, but in the meantime, if you would like to play Into the Breach uh, from Subset Games, uh, it is available for fourteen ninety nine on uh, Steam, Humble, and uh, GOG.com. Uh, maybe other stores as well, but those are the ones I was able to find with those the cursory are, yeah, search. Those are the big ones, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you can read Austin's article at waypoint.vice.com and keep up with everything we do at waypoint.vice.com. Uh, Austin, what are the other things we need to remind people? Because I don't do these outros very often. Uh, it's not even that important. Well, the big one is thank you to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. People know where to find us on the internet. I think for these, we don't maybe need to go over. I, Austin underscore Walker on Twitter. Rob, you're at Rob Zachary. I think those are the big ones. Right. And this is the part where I go, peace.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.